Good morning, everybody. Welcome to church this morning. Hey, online family, welcome to church this morning. I hope you all slept great last night. Well, stand up and let's get excited for what God has for you this morning at home. God has something for you. So just dive in, give him everything that you've got this morning while you can. And hey, I have a quick announcement. So it's summertime at Lamb of God Fellowship, and this is the time that we start gearing up for sports and arts camp. Well, that's going to be a little bit different this year. Instead of doing everything here at the church, Ryan has come up with an alternative plan for this whole quarantine and all this COVID-19 stuff. It's going to be just as awesome, though, and it's going to take place August 3rd through the 5th, and it's an online VBS kind of thing. So get your kiddos signed up. You can click the link down in the comments section. Go to our Facebook page. Go to our website, whatever it is that you usually use. We have an app for your smartphone as well. If you want to sign up there. Um, it's Bolt Backyard VBS, and you can do this. It says from 1 to 3 p.m. those days, but you can do it anytime. All the materials are provided for you, so get your kiddos involved and get you involved in their learning about the cross and eternity and Jesus and get them to fall in love because they're seeing you as an example. So, and to get us started here with the right mindset, this was on, if you guys have the Version Bible app, this verse was on there this morning, and it is awesome, and I want to read it to you from the Passion Translation, and even the description is beautiful. David's poetic praise to God before he was anointed king, and this comes from Psalms 27, verse 4. Here's the one thing I crave from God, the one thing I seek above all else. I want the privilege of living with him every moment in his house, finding the sweet loveliness of his face, filled with awe, delighting in his glory and grace. I want to live my life so close to him that he takes pleasure in my every prayer. Let that be your heart's cry this morning. And hey, real quick, get online on your Facebook Live, share it, like it, comment. Whatever is going on here this morning, somebody else needs to hear it. And you could be the reason that somebody's life is changed, all because you share today's message online. So do that before you leave. All right, guys, let's get started. God, just welcome into this place. Have your way with us. Pour a fresh anointing here, Lord, as we surrender our lives at your feet. And we take what you have for us, Lord, which is life, abundant life, Lord. Let us not leave here. Let us not turn off our phones unchanged change this morning, but God, meet us here and do something amazing that only you can do, Lord. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. heart I'm tethered to with every step I collide with you like a tidal wave 
and then also this time of communion. Even if you don't call Lamb of God Fellowship your home church, even if you're watching from your living room and you've never stepped foot in this building, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are welcome to dine at the table with us this morning, even here at the church or at home. This is a time that we take to reflect every single week at Lamb of God Fellowship on what Jesus already did, what he already paid for by that body that was broken and murdered, and then by that blood that was spilled to cover every single one of our sins, all of our shame, all of our guilt, all of our doubt, all of our shortcomings that we ourselves try to make up for, his blood already paid for it. So all you have to do this morning as you take communion, you eat that little wafer, that little cracker, and just thank him and claim it for yourself and believe that healing power is yours for right now in this place. And then as you sip this little juice, just remember that his blood already bought it. And when he died, when he breathed his last breath, that veil that used to separate God's presence from the normal everyday person, it was torn right in half. And now we have the authority, we have the power, we have the privilege to approach that throne of grace with confidence that he loves us, that he hears us, that he wants to provide for us, that he already has everything that we need for life and godliness. So celebrate that this morning. And I'm just going to give you a quick tutorial again because these things are a little tricky, um, but we're getting it, I think. Remember, there are two tabs. The first one is a very thin, clear tab, so just kind of lightly peel back, and that will give you your wafer. And then when you're ready to drink the juice, just peel back that like metallic green one when you're done with that. So let's pray, and then we can take communion together as a family. God, once again, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity, Lord, this privilege, the honor that we have to come into your presence, Lord, and bow down at your feet and worship you, Lord. And we just thank you that you did this because of your love for us, Lord. That body was broken. You went to the cross because you knew that your reward was going to be great and your reward is our hearts, God. And so we just surrender to you today and we thank you, Lord. So bless this communion to our bodies for health and wholeness and freedom and fullness in you, Jesus. We love you and we praise you in your name. Amen. Amen. Pastor Tim, he's bringing us the message early. It's awesome. means ah uh, I'm sorry I was unplugged I just I just felt it welcome everybody hi <laughs> welcome online if you couldn't hear me I'm sorry it was my fault but uh, we lost Dick Cummings uh, yesterday he is now in the great cloud of witnesses cheering us on him uh, and his wife Joan were with us for 30 years and two years ago they moved to Texas to be with their family 
uh, in Houston. And uh, so we found this out yesterday afternoon. And I just want to give you a heads up. If you remember Dick and Jones, what a great couple they are and have been so faithful, so generous, so kind, so inspirational. And if you remember them and know them, uh, we have an address that you could take with you at the Welcome Center. If you'd like to drop them a note or uh, send an email, uh, I think she's on Facebook too. Karen is nodding her head, and so you can look up Joan Cummings and just give her uh, your love and support and condolences. I know that would be very appreciative. They were married, I think, 63 or 68. I'm not sure. Years. Not too bad, huh? Wow. But uh, Dick was a great man of God, and uh, we're going to miss him. And, uh, but we know that he's celebrating today pain-free, and he is worshiping the Lord today. So today I want to talk about worship. Actually, we're going to talk about worship for a while. We're going to do a series on worship. And recently I, was, uh, I stumbled into seven Hebrew words of praise. And I'm getting into Hebrew a lot. And I, lo- I like to get into Hebrew because, um, for me, I, I, I'll use a word. I'm not sure if it totally makes sense, but I'm a reductionist. I like to get down, reduce something down to the very bottom core, especially my faith. And, and Hebrew is the original language of God. It's the language of the Old Testament. And so when we read our Bibles, we're reading English, but we're reading a translation of the original language. But what I've discovered in the last several years is the more you understand the original language, the richer and deeper and juicier you know, the meaning becomes, and I love it. So I'm trying to convey some of that to you so that uh, when we talk about things like worship, uh, what do you think about? What do you think about when, when someone just says worship? I mean, the first thing in my mind, okay, is what we just did. Singing, clapping, guitars, drums, you know, and we even call this our worship service. But worship is not just singing or music or clapping or dancing or praising God. And so I want to teach you what worship is. And over the next several weeks, we're going to look at what the original meaning of worship is. And it's going to enrich our relationship with God. Okay? Uh, So why do we worship? We worship, I just threw a couple of thoughts down. We worship God because he created us. He's our creator. He made us. We worship God because he has given us breath. The breath that we are breathing right now is from him. We worship him because he's good. And we've all tasted of his goodness. Right? Any, anybody out there experience the goodness of God? We worship God because he is love. And we have all felt his love and his mercy. We talked about this right here. I remember last summer I was in a beach and my family, we were on a beach day. I think we were at Caseville. And the waves were huge that day. We had a riot getting knocked off our keisters, you know, by the waves. It was so fun just having fun. And, and when you sing a song like that, that God's love is fierce in a way that it just comes. It comes at you kind of like waves. He just never, it never stops. If you've ever been on the ocean, right, it just never stops. Wave after wave. Aren't you glad that God's love just keeps pursuing you, keeps chasing you down? Even when you're out doing your own thing, even when you're not even thinking about God, you're just doing your life, but God is constantly pursuing you. He loves you. He's for you. We worship God because he has forgiven us. He's rescued us. He's restored us. He gives us hope. He gives us peace. He gives us joy. 
And uh, so this morning, I woke up and I thought, man, I've got to, I've got to look up a verse. So normally what I do is I get my messages done during the week, uh, usually Wednesday or Thursday, so that my wife has time to get PowerPoints and bulletins and all that stuff together for all of us, you know, because I believe that it's important for us to study these things on our own too. So we always provide with you guys notes and scripture verses and things like that, right? Because you're, you're not going to remember what I say, but if you, you'll remember a little bit of it. But if you study it for yourself and you begin to process it on your own, that's when you really grow. So we always do that. But anyway, uh, so my message is already done, but this morning I woke up and I felt like God was telling me to look up this verse and do some more research. So I did. So part of what I'm going to share with you is something I just learned like a couple hours ago. Okay? And I want to start with that. Because uh, a couple hours ago, I thought the first mention of the word worship in the Bible was in, was in Genesis chapter 2. In fact, I told you that a couple weeks ago. But I was wrong. Found out this morning, it's a couple of chapters earlier in Genesis 18. The problem is you don't see the word worship in English. So I'm going to read the verse to you. See if you can guess where this word worship is mentioned, even though it's not actually mentioned. Okay? You with me? Genesis 18.2. I'm going to teach you guys a Hebrew word today. And I didn't know I was going to teach this word, but here we go. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. So where's the worship at? Bowed low. Exactly. And this word uh, is three letters in Hebrew. Okay, and I'm going to try to draw it for you here. It's sheen and het and hey. I know these letters look a lot alike, but there's a little gap in that letter, and they, there are different letters. And it's pronounced shaha. <laughs> you want to try it? I just felt myself spitting when I said that. <clears throat> Let me swallow my communion wafer a little bit better. Make sure it's clear. Here we go. Shaha. Shaha, okay, and uh, in this verse, uh, the, the context is that a couple of angels and what we believe, a couple of angels and the Lord showed up, three men, they showed up, but when they showed up, Abraham recognized right away that this, there was, it was the angel of the Lord was among them, and, and his response was to bow low, he bowed low, and that word is shaha, which means to worship. To humble oneself, to recognize someone greater in your presence. And he bowed down and worshiped him. Now, the context of this story was that these guys, the Lord showed up to Abraham to tell him what was about to happen to Sodom and Gomorrah. He was going to judge Sodom and Gomorrah for the wickedness that was there. And Abraham had this long conversation with him, and he started by saying, Hey, God, if there's 50 good people, 50 righteous people in that city, will you spare the whole city? And the Lord said, Yes, I will. And then Abraham said, don't be mad, but how about 45? He says, yes, I will. How about 40? How about 35? How about 30? How about 20? And he has this conversation back and forth, back and forth. He gets God all the way down to 10. Why? Because Abraham had some family in Sodom and Gomorrah. He had a nephew. His name was Lot. And Lot had a wife and some kids. So Abraham was interceding on behalf of his family, trying to make sure that they would be okay. And God said, hey, if there's 10 people there, 10 righteous people, I'll spare the whole city. 
Now, let's just pause for a second. This is not my message today, but I'm going to give you it anyway, all right? Bonus message. You ready? If there's 10 righteous people in the city who fear God, who love God, how many think it's pretty amazing that God will spare the whole city for the sake of 10 righteous ones? How, about, uh, how important is it for you in your fear of the Lord and how you are living your life for your city that people's lives are at stake even if there's 10 righteous people who are still serving the Lord? How many of you think there's a blessing on our land even though there's a lot of wickedness in our world? There's a lot of wrong even in our own country, but how many of you think there's a, a few righteous people still serving the Lord and the grace of God and the mercy of God is still upon us. So he gets him down to 10, and I don't know why I'm telling you the whole story, but I feel like I, I should. Okay, so you know how many people there were? There were only four. There were only four. And even those four, God rescued those four. He sent an angel to get those four out. How I many of you know you are in good hands if you're on God's team? That you will not perish with the wicked. God saves the righteous. Even if there's only four in a whole city, God sent an angel and plucked them out and saved them. Isn't that cool? But the other part of this story is that the, the angel of the Lord also told to Abraham, after he bowed down and worshipped him, he told him, next year I'm going to fulfill my promise and your wife Sarah in her old age will bear a son to you, the promised son, and his name is Isaac. Yeah, right here, front row. Nailed it. Nice job, buddy. Isaac. Okay, so now the second time this word shows up, shacha, is when Abraham is obeying the Lord to go up a mountain, take his son Isaac, and do what? Sacrifice him to God. Now, I just mentioned this story a couple of weeks ago, and this is the second time, and this is what Abraham said. He turns to his servants who came with him to that point at the base of the ridge of the mountain. He says, my son and I are going to go up there and we are going to shacha the Lord. We are going to bow down and worship the Lord and we will come back. And in Abraham's mind, he was going up there to sacrifice his son to the Lord and the writer to Hebrews tells us a little bit more about the inside thinking of Abraham. The Hebrew writer said, Abraham thought in his heart, God is going to raise my son from the dead after I sacrifice him to, to him. Because he promised me that he would make a nation out of my son Isaac, and I trust in him. So if he wants me to sacrifice him, it must be that he's going to raise him from the dead. And so he goes up and he does that, and as he's about ready to sacrifice Isaac, the Lord stops him, shows him a ram, and that becomes the sacrificial substitute for his son. Now, this is a picture of Jesus. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, right? So Jesus is a picture of Isaac. And God is a picture of Abraham. And God offered his son on your behalf and mine. And John the Baptist called Jesus the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But the context of this story is the meaning of worship. Shacha means to bow down. It's not just a physical expression of bowing like this or maybe bowing prostrate like this to the ground. It, me it means those things physically 
but it means something way more than a physical expression. It means that you bow down your ego, your pride, your self-identity, and you humble yourself before God. As Abraham did, he gave everything he had to God. He surrendered everything. His son Isaac was everything. It was his full future. All the promises God had given him were connected to Isaac. All of his future, all of his legacy, everything he had, if Isaac dies, Abraham's legacy dies. It's over. There is no other son. There is no, no name being carried out. There's no, nobody will carry on his legacy. It's everything. He surrendered everything to God. You getting this? Come on. So worship, honestly, has nothing to do, and I shouldn't really say nothing to do because it does, but in comparison to us coming together and clapping our hands and singing and raising our voices and raising our hands and playing instruments. Worship is something completely bigger and different. It comes from you, and it's your surrender to God. Your recognition that God is God and you are not. And you bow down. You humble yourself. And basically you, what you're doing is you're, you're, let me explain it this way. Let's look at these letters. These letters come from pictures, right? I've shared that with you before. And these pictures mean something. So th this picture comes from some teeth and it means to, um, I'm going to say press or crush or consume as you would a, a cheeseburger. Yeah. <clears throat> Just crushing it. Eating it, your teeth, consuming it, right? But you're pressing it. All right. This word here, or this letter, chet, comes from uh, an inner sanctuary, a safe place, an inner room, a safe place. Is that better? Let me see what's going on here. There it is. Okay. So let's just say uh, an inner room or sanctuary. Okay. It's a safe place. And then hey is a picture of a person with their arms up. And it means behold. Look. Do you see that? Wow means pay attention. Hey, everybody, pay attention. Look, okay? Behold, look, behold, gaze upon. And it's got kind of like this feel of an exclamation point. There is something really important that you need to be paying attention to. You need to look at that. You need to see this. Now, this means, uh, this. let's just look at this. In worship, this is a, a possible understanding of this, that as we are destroyed or we are pressed down, as we press ourselves down, as our ego and our self-sufficiency and our self-reliance and our pride is consumed as it's pressed out of us, as we bow down, which is a humbling of oneself, God welcomes us into an inner safe sanctuary, okay, where we behold him. And we gaze upon him, and we see God. We see him. We build a relationship with him. 
God welcomes you into his presence. Do you remember, I didn't share this in the first service, but do you remember a verse that says, God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. You can't get into the presence of God when you are consumed with yourself and pride and arrogance and self-sufficiency. Whatever you're doing isn't worship. You might be singing. You might be clapping. You might be uh, putting on a show, but it's not worship. Because worship is when you die to yourself and all of your ego and you come before God humbly and then God welcomes you into his presence and you learn who God is. You meet with God. This is amazing. If you want to know God, then you've got to stop knowing so much about yourself, you know. You need to humble yourself. So this is worship. It's the act of yielding oneself completely like Abraham did uh, when he obeyed God and gave everything back to him. So I want to share three quick thoughts. Now, before I go any further, I'm going to also just mention these letters also represent numbers in Hebrew. Our language isn't built that way. We have letters, we have numbers. Hebrew, they just have letters which also stand for numbers, okay? And this number here for this first letter, which is Sheen, is the number 300. This number here, Het, is the number 8. And this number, He, is the number 5. Now, these numbers have biblical meaning. Don't have time to dive into all of them. I'm just going to tell you what they mean. 300 represents the blood sacrifice of the Lamb of God. That's what it represents. The blood sacrifice of the Lamb of God. Eight represents a new beginning. Eternity. We have seven days. We don't have eight days. After the seventh day, the next day is the next week, right? It's a new beginning. Every seven days, we get a new beginning. Pretty cool. So there is no eighth day, technically. So when you get to the eighth day in Scripture, it is a picture of a new beginning or the entrance into eternity. And if you're a math uh, geek like I am, just take that eight, twist it a little bit, and you have a symbol in math called what? Infinity. Eternity. It's a new beginning. And five is the number in the Scriptures for God's grace. His unmerited, undeserved, unearned grace. So what do these numbers mean? The Lamb of God, the perfect blood sacrifice Lamb of God, has by the grace of God made a way for you to have a new beginning and to enter eternity with Him when you do what? When you shakah. What is shakah? It's bowing down and leaving yourself, being emptied of yourself and recognizing your need for God. And only God can save you. And only God can can, can rescue you. And only he belongs to, to God, belongs the power of life and death. And you need him. And he's God. And you bow. You humble yourself. Do you understand? Worship is the first step to being saved. It's the recognition that I need God. Wow. So today, if you need God, if you need to be saved, if you need to be forgiven of your sins, then what you need to do is you need to bow down before him. You need to bow your ego. You need to bow your self-sufficiency. You need to say, God, I need you. I, I, I'm nothing without you. You're the one who's given me life. 
and you're the only one who can rescue me and forgive me of my sins. And we call that in church here getting saved. All right? We call that placing our faith in Jesus because Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one gets to the Father except through me because he's the only one who sacrificed his life for yours so you could be forgiven and have new life. A new beginning through the blood sacrifice of the Lamb of God. A new beginning by the grace of God to enter into life eternal with him. Hallelujah. Come on. How many of you guys have experienced that breakthrough in your own heart where you humbled yourself before the Lord and he rescued you from the darkness and he's grafted you into a new kingdom, a family of God, a kingdom of light. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share just three short statements about worship today. And then over the next seven weeks, we're going to look at a different Hebrew word and we're going to explore the depths of what worship really is. And we are going to grow in our intimacy with God. We are going to grow in our capacity to know God and worship him, which will also allow us to experience more of God's presence in this place. Anybody want to go on that journey? Come on. This is what we need. We need God. We don't need ritual. We don't need services. We need God. And we find God when we learn how to worship him and recognize him and acknowledge him and humble ourselves before him. That's when we see him. That's when we get to know him. Okay, so I want to answer uh, this question three different ways. How do I worship God? How do I worship? Number one, I already said it. I worship by surrendering myself to God. Okay, Paul put it this way. I think that Paul was thinking about Abraham and Isaac's story when he wrote Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And he said this, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God. This is your only reasonable response or act of worship. Okay, because of the mercy of God, because of what God has done, now offer yourself as a living sacrifice. And so the idea is I worship God by surrendering myself, right? What did Abraham offer to God? Himself. What does God want from you? He wants you. He wants you. And so when we worship, how many of you know that worship, this word here, shakah, is not a noun it is a verb. It is something that you do. It's an action that you take. It is not something you watch. So we don't come here, and I'm not down there watching the worship team worship God. That's not what I'm doing. I'm not coming to a worship service. I am coming to worship God. I am bringing something. I am doing something. It's called worship. Worship does not happen around you. Worship happens from within you. It's you who does the worshiping. Okay? Whether you have a guitar or not, whether you're out and about on your daily routine, you are a worshiper of God all the time. Everything we do is to be done in worship. Everything. Because worship is not music, remember. That's not what worship is. Worship is you surrendering to God. You walking in fellowship with God. You acknowledging and bowing yourself before God. And hopefully that's happening all day long. 
Because then you had the presence of God filling you all day long. If God's not filling you, then it's you filling you. Okay? And those are two totally different experiences of life. All right, so anyway, um, the first one is that I surrender to God. That's how I worship. And number two, I'm going to ask Ryan to share an analogy on this one, that I worship God from my heart. Worship comes from my heart. It's possible to sing a song, to clap, to, to, partic- uh, to do stuff, but it not come from your heart, and you're not actually worshiping, and you might think you're worshiping. Okay, this happened in the Bible in Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13. I want to read this just before Ryan shares. God's speaking. It says, The Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. God said, You guys are all gathered around. Not, not you, the people he's talking to. You guys have all gathered around, and you're singing these songs, and you're clapping to the beat, and you're saying all these right, wonderful things, but your heart is far from me. Listen to what he says. Their worship of me, their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have taught. He says it's just ritual. It's no, there's no heart here. And he says this is not how you worship me. I don't care that you just attend and go through the motions. I don't want that. I don't want your time and, and your, your energy like that. I want you. I want your heart. Worship is coming from your heart. Your heart, okay? So, Ryan, go ahead and share with us for a minute. Good morning. Okay. All right. You guys, you guys know I work with the kids. Hi, guys. I miss all you guys, but I always tell the kids, you can do better than that. Good morning. That was, that was better. That was better. But you guys, today I'm excited to talk with you. I've been loving doing videos for you guys, but it's so awesome to be back with you, to see your smiling faces. And today, we're talking about worship. And I know a lot of the kids in here, we love worship. I know these little girls over here, you guys love worship, don't you? Worship is awesome. But when we worship God, we need to worship with our hearts. So I was thinking about that this week, and I was thinking about how sometimes we want to do things that go through the motions, and it made me think of someone very special to me, somebody who's, who's very important, almost as important as my kids and Miss Carrie, but not quite. And I have a picture of this somebody that I want to show you today. May, May morning, my puppy. Now, May is an awesome dog, and May... She knows all kinds of cool tricks. Some of you guys have met men. You've seen her tricks. She can, she can give a high five. She can go through your legs. We say go through, and she does little figure eights around our feet. And sometimes we tell her, are you shy? And she covers her face up like this. She gets real shy, and it's really cute. And we, when we do these things, she expects a reward. So I brought some little doggy treats here today. So I give her a doggy treat, or even better, I play fetch with her. May's life is about fetch. It's about her frisbee and her ball. And when I want her to do these things, I have to reward her. And that's what she expects from it. Sometimes when we worship God and we're standing here and we're doing everything, we do it because we want to get something from God. We want to feel good. We want, we want it to, to give us something, to give us that, that exciting spark that we feel when we're, when we're worshiping. But here's the thing. We don't worship to get something from it. We worship 
because we want to give something to God. We worship because God loves us. We worship because he's worthy of it. We worship because of who he is, not because what we get from it. Now, here's the great thing about that. When we worship God, we still do get something from it. And we get this relationship with him. You see, May, I've started doing tricks with her for the last year or so and not giving her a treat and not playing fetch with her. And she does them anyways because she's realized something. And I've heard this about dogs. Some dogs that get obsessed with fetch, it's because they see how much joy it gives you. And she sees how much joy it's giving me to throw that ball and for her to bring it back every time, for her to get excited and get her ears to go up. And she's wanting to make me happy at that point. She doesn't want the treat. She wants to make me happy. It's like my kids. I just redid their room, their bedrooms. I put new paint on the walls, new floors down, new trim. And I didn't do that because I want them to look at me and say, he's an awesome dad. I want my kids to have a place to rest, to have a place to be happy and comfortable. We, we, when we worship, we're doing that for God. We're giving him a place to, to rest, a place to be happy and comfortable. We're giving him that. The great thing is, is he still rewards us, but we need to worship with our heart. Not to get something, but to give something. That's what worship is, is giving something to God, because he deserves it all. Pastor Tim. Awesome. Thank you, Ryan. So we worship God by surrendering ourselves to him, and we worship God from the heart. And the last point I want to make is we worship God with the totality of who we are. Like, God wants everything that I am. So God made us with a mind. He made us with emotions. He gave us this awesome body. And uh, the number one commandment in the Bible, which comes out of Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. You shall worship the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. God wants all. All of you, he made you, and he wants all of you to acknowledge him. And so in this church, uh, maybe you come from a different church background or no church at all, uh, but maybe at, at times you might see someone lifting their hands. Maybe you might see someone dancing. Yeah, jumping. Maybe it's me jumping. Why is he jumping up and down? You know? Or maybe you might see someone bowing down or sh shouting or, or getting super excited. Uh, or just quiet. And, and, and why, is, why are people doing that? Because whatever is in our heart, we need to have the freedom to just worship God with all of our heart, all of our soul, our emotions, our mind, our spirit, our body, and that's what God wants. Jesus said this is the number one commandment. The second is like it, to love your Lord, your God, and the second, to love your neighbor as yourself. He says, if you're doing these two things, you're doing all the commandments because it's all about love. Loving God and loving one another. And our worship really is what that love means. To worship God, to love God with the totality of who we are. All right? So we're going to look at that. And in the next seven weeks, these are the seven Hebrew words we're going to look at and grow in and, and learn. Okay? Tequilah. That's one. I didn't say tequila. All right? It's the opposite of tequila. Tequila is to be filled with alcohol. Tequila is to be filled with God's spirit. Right? It's to sing a spontaneous song of worship. Tequila. Shabbat is a shout of victory. Anybody got a shout of victory out there? 
There's some amazing stories in the Bible when someone shouted a shout of victory. I remember one in particular where the walls came crashing down after a shout. Anybody know about that story? The walls of Jericho came down after a shout of victory in the Lord. And there's times in our lives where we need to have a shout of victory before we see the victory. All right. Oh, I'm preaching the preaching too far out. All right, let's just get back to the words. Barak, uh, which Megan's going to share next week, uh, means to kneel and to bow down in humility before God, and we stand in honor of God. She's going to share about that next week, why we do some of these, these things. Yada is to raise arms in praise. Zamar is to play music. Toda is to lift arms in surrender and confession to God. And Halal is to dance in celebration or uh, to make a fool of oneself. <laughs> and we've got a couple of people in here really good at that. No, that's a good thing. If you're making a fool of yourself before the Lord, you are giving him uninhibited praise without concern of those around you, as long as it's in orderly fashion. But it, it comes from the idea of David. Remember the story of David? who was dancing before the Lord because he was so excited about the Ark of the Covenant coming back to Jerusalem. He was unashamedly dancing and celebrating before the Lord. And his wife said, how undignified that you were today. How dared the king of Israel behave in such a way before his people. And he said, oh man, you got it all wrong. I will gladly be undignified before my God. Because he was filled with this expression of worship before God. There was no man or woman that was going to inhibit what he felt to do before the Lord to praise God. To praise God. So we're going to learn about these things and it's going to enrich our relationship with Him. So now we've got a couple of songs to practice. We are going to worship the Lord. Now, not just because it's music, but this is an opportunity for you to just surrender your heart to the Lord to worship him from your heart and uh, what was the last and to do it with the totality of who you are okay we all have different personalities not every personality would would want to or feel led to clap their hands or dance or something but whoever you are and whatever emotion that you have you know I want to encourage you to offer your whole being to God to worship him you worship him by bringing this worship to him. That you acknowledge God. That you get your mind tuned into him. That you get your spirit hungry for him. That you tell your body to worship him. That your, your heart is engaging in him. Because as you humble yourself before the Lord, as you worship him from your heart, you may be singing some words on the, on the wall. You might be singing your own words. But whatever you're doing on the inside, it needs to be a real expression from your heart to God. And then he invites you in to this inner safe sanctuary where he reveals himself to you. You experience him. How many of you have heard God speak to you and talk with you because you're in a time of worship and you're seeking him? This is when God wants to talk with you right now. So this is a gift of opportunity that we have for the next few minutes. Let's stand and worship the Lord.
And after a couple songs, I'll come back and close our service. If you're at home, uh, watching, wherever you are, let's worship the Lord together. Let's pour our hearts out to Him and be free to express your love to Him. Okay? Let's lift our hands towards heaven. I just want to open us in prayer, Lord. During this time, I pray that you would just fill this place and fill the place where we are watching with your presence now as we hunger for you, as we seek you, as we worship and honor you, as we bow down, as we humble ourselves before you, Lord. Move upon us. Open up the gateway to your presence and come in, come in, Lord, and show us who you are. Touch our hearts. We need you. We hunger for you. We come to seek you, Lord. We thank you for your presence that's no longer restricted by a veil, no longer restricted to one time a year for one person to come to experience your presence. But the veil has been torn. Jesus, thank you for making a way for each and every one of us to have a relationship with you and to come into your presence. Thank you, Lord. Just before we go into this time, I feel it's important to offer you the opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life, okay? If you're watching or if you're here in the building, the very first step here is to surrender yourself to the Lord and to recognize your need for a Savior. And if you haven't placed your faith in Jesus as Savior and Lord of your life, right now I want to invite you to do that, whether you're here or watching. Would you just bow your heads right now? And if you're here and saying, Pastor, I'm ready to, I'm ready to place my faith in Jesus. I'm, gonna, I'm ready to humble myself, my ego, my self-sufficiency, to place my faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. If you're here in this room, would you lift your hand if you're making that decision today? So I can celebrate and recognize your, your decision. Is there anybody here? And if you're online, thank you. If you're online uh, and you're making that decision, uh, just say, I'm in. Text, text us, I'm in. And I want to lead us in a prayer right now for those of you who are making this decision today. Okay, let's pray this prayer together. Say this out loud, but most importantly, make this your prayer from your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you that you came to save me and rescue me and to forgive me. So today, I recognize you are God and I need you. And I need your love and your forgiveness and your power in my life. Today, I place my faith in you, Jesus. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. I surrender to you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so I have the power to live this new life you have created me to experience. I love you. I'm all yours. I pray this in your name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your saving grace to each and every one of us who calls on your name. And now let's worship him and let's pour out our heart to him. Let's experience his presence together for a few minutes together. Amen. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. Oh, you're worthy. 
sing a new song to the Lord. Oh, we worship you. song long before our lives to raise our voice along heaven and earth yes God we've seen your faithful hand your mercy without end, a king who bled and died, a God who sacrificed. Oh, you're worthy to be enthroned upon the praises of thousand generations. You are worthy. Come on, sing it out. Oh, we To you, the slain and risen King, we lift our voice with heaven, sing Him worthy, Lord of all. Through this life we live, to eternity, our endless praise we Jesus, be glorified. Come on, sing that again.
Psalm 22 says that God's throne is established upon the praises of his people. Of all the places in the universe that God decides to build his kingdom, he chooses is it on the praise of the lips of the ones who love him. And so, uh, Lord, we just ask that your kingdom would go forth, that your presence would go forth in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we're here. Here we are. You're worthy. Oh, you're worthy of all our love. We give you the highest praise.
highest praises, just our voices, just the sweet presence of God in this place. It's refreshing. Thank you, God. Thank you for your peace in this place right now. God, in this world of, of chaos that we're in right now, God, we need your peace. Just let your peace just rest. Let his peace rest on you today. That sweet presence, that's what you're feeling right there. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Just sing this highest praises one more time. Just our voices. Highest praises. And highest praises
Change 
you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Uh, we're going to close our service, but just I just want to highlight, um, you know, like when we were singing that phrase there a second ago, uh, wrap me in your love, let the chains fall off. That was an example of Tehillah. That's a spontaneous song of worship that comes from your heart, from her heart, but we all have a song. You make up your own words. You're expressing to God whatever God is saying to you and whatever is overflowing in you, that's your own personal song. And the Bible says that's the praises that God actually inhabits. It's beautiful because it's you. It's personal. So hope that you continue to Tehillah this week, singing your own song to the Lord. Because when you leave this building this morning, you are not leaving the presence of God. The presence of God is now with you and in you. You are the temple of the presence of God. And as we continue to bow down to him, internally especially, throughout today and throughout this week, we are opening the presence of God to inhabit in our lives. And we are worshipers 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You're all on the worship team. So welcome to the team. And we are all going to worship the Lord this week. And we're going to experience his presence. And Lord, we thank you that your presence is with us and in us. We thank you, Lord, that your presence brings perfect peace and joy and confidence, a settledness. May we all continue to walk in your presence today and this week. May, Lord, you work in us and an increased capacity to... How is your presence, Lord? May you expand the walls of our worship center, our hearts. God, that we can experience more and more of you as we sing. We need you. We want you. We seek you. We know that life is only found in you. And so, Lord, help us to be great worshipers, recognizing your presence in our lives. And may we shine. May we shine brightly for you this week as your presence overflows through our lives, touching those around us. For we are your people. We have been rescued out of a kingdom of darkness. We have been grafted into the kingdom of light. And it's for these reasons, Lord, that we have praises on our lips to give you glory. Thanks for all that you've done and all that you are doing. And we praise you and thank you for this day. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. And the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. That nothing will be broken, nothing missing in your life. Because God is with you, because God is for you, because he is in you, you lack nothing that you need for life and for godliness. You are blessed and highly favored, fully forgiven, and deeply loved. Now go with the blessing of the Lord and shine brightly for him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love you guys. God bless you. Have a great day and a great week. Thanks for watching. God bless you guys.